What's up, what's up? Welcome everybody to this episode of the TM Podcast. I'm your host Chuck, and we're going to continue on with our theme of Black History Month through the month of February. Uh, this is only the second one I've got to do. Uh, it's the eighth already. I'm running behind. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get 15 this month, but um, this one I'm trying to do a, a little different theme. Hopefully it's something that you guys can dig. I'm going to talk about how uh, the culture spawned by uh, black entrepreneurs and black artists has kind of uh, been inclusive of other cultures and I'll talk about some of the influence specifically East Asian uh, Eastern cultures uh, and how that's kind of played a part in interwoven within black history so hopefully that's something that you guys will find interesting um, it's just something I wanted to, I just wanted to talk about so uh, as always hit me up on Twitter at oddcast TMP that's O-D-C-A-S-T TMP start this off uh this is gonna be a story that starts when i was uh a middle schooler almost in high school um but around the time that uh, i first started buying music on my own without uh getting that poppy stuff like mc hammer and fresh prince stuff like that when i started listening to like real hip-hop the kind of stuff that uh my dad didn't want me to listen to but you know it was uh what was appealing to me at the time um and one of the first cds that i bought actual cds <laughs> that i bought was uh the wu-tang enter the chambers Enter the 36 chambers and i remember i got it um bought it at the store bought that and dos effects uh, at the same time um i brought it home and i thought i was slick i tried to turn the cover inside out so that my dad wouldn't see the parental advisory sticker. And uh, me being a big dummy, I didn't realize, you know, all you had to do was just open it up and he could see everything, uh, which is exactly what happened. So he brought it, he uh, opened it up. He was like, no, what is this? What is this? I told you don't buy any parental advisory, anything like this. Um, And I was trying to explain to him, you know, this is a, it's a really dope group. I got to, you know, they don't really say anything bad and they have like all these different Kung Fu, Kung Fu influences. Um, but I remember somehow he let me keep the CD and uh, as I was listening to it, I was kind of amazed because this was something that <laughs> I never really heard before. Um, the way that they mixed the Kung Fu samples and you know, uh, Eastern Asian instrumentation over hardcore hip hop beats. And I mean, these guys are straight black. There's no Asian dudes in the group. (laughs) Not even you got, I don't think. But uh, I always thought that this album was, it was like the perfect marriage because the stories that were told in the Kung Fu movies uh, and the stories that they were telling through hip hop, they were, it wouldn't seem like they would fit, but they almost fit like perfectly, perfectly. Like the way that they were disciplined in their lyricism, the same way that a martial artist would be disciplined in his art. And this was kind of like the genesis of a thing in music 
at the time. Uh, there was a few people that had thrown out, like, you know, Afrocentric Asian, like, uh, like Nas said that on uh, It Ain't Hard to Tell. Nobody knew what he meant. He, they just thought it was something tight that he said. Uh, <laughs> but the way that they mixed everything together in their music, it just seemed like the perfect marriage. And then the more you, the more that Wu-Tang got popular, uh, you started to see other people. I'm not gonna necessarily say that they were taking their style, but there was definitely a more Asian influence in hip hop in particular. Um, so with that, you had guys like, uh, I remember probably the first one, the closest one would be J. Ru the Damager. Uh, for those of y'all that haven't heard Come Clean, it's one of the greatest hip-hop uh, songs of all time. Uh, the Sun Rises in the East is a dope album altogether. And you had dudes like Alpha Ra. Uh, basically, a lot of people were taking on a uh, martial art uh, kind of theme. A lot of people were at that time. This is before the Wu-Tang went to, like, the whole Wu Gambino's phase. Um, but then you start to think about, you know, when did these things start to come about? Uh, and then I remember maybe probably the first, the first time that the hip-hop generation or the young black generation and the Asian generation... Uh, at the time came together in a pop culture fashion was a movie The Last Dragon which for those of you who haven't seen it uh, cut this podcast off right now I believe it was on Netflix but if not you can probably find a bootleg go watch that movie um, <laughs> it is a straight up classic and it's pretty amazing to think like back then that they made that movie uh, considering like whatever you would envision the appeal to be um, because it's the story of Bruce Leroy, who's a young, a young uh, black dude from the streets, you know, like all these stories were back then, who knew karate. <laughs> and there was another kung fu master, Shell Nuff, who's one of the great uh, movie villains of all time, in my opinion. Um, come see me if you disagree. Uh, but even now, people are like, who's the master? Shell Nuff and kiss my converse. I mean, these are classic catchphrases from a villain. Um, but it, to me, it was interesting because it's like, who would have put these two things together? Who would have thought that these two things would, uh, would mesh so well? And I mean, time and time again, you see The Last Dragon, you see Wu-Tang, uh, over and over, um, you see hip-hop and uh, the Asian community kind of coming together. And this is obviously before people started talking about cultural appropriation. I think it was more appreciation back in these days. I mean, even nowadays, it's an argument for whether or not what's appropriation and what's appreciation. Uh, but seeing as how, you know, that kind of talk wasn't really around that time, uh, it was it was a really... Uh, an interesting movie and an interesting blend of those two cultures. Um, <laughs> kind of going into that, you got to remember, like in the 80s, hip hop was very inclusive. There was 
uh, a lot of artists of various different backgrounds because it started in the streets it was just if you were young and you had something to say you got out there and said it uh, of course at the time country music was all old dudes um, you had like Kenny G and Barry Manilow and all this going on back then but music from the street it was everybody it was young uh, Latino guys and Latino, uh, Latinx, I don't know how you say that, but uh, that whole community was heavily involved in the uh, dancing, break dancing, even singing. Uh, obviously, black people were heavily involved, but there was even white people that are pioneers like uh, Debbie Harry, uh, one of the first rappers, <laughs> period, to come out with like a hit album or a hit song. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna count that. The Rapture is a rap song. Um, again, come see me if you disagree. Um, but hip hop was very inclusive around that time um, as a black culture, as a young black culture. I mean, it always got its props or it was always recognized as a black thing, but there was basically everybody was welcome. Uh, as long as you were authentic, that authenticity, that was the only thing that mattered which is kind of funny now when you talk about appreciation versus appropriation because that is something that's inherently not authentic that somebody using a different culture to kind of express themselves um, but that's not you know that was not not the argument at the time that these two things were were going on uh, so from the last dragon obviously inspired by uh, kung fu movies <clears throat> and uh, things like the Shaw Brothers movies and everything like that, which directly also influenced the Wu-Tang Clan. Um, but even going back to one of the greatest kung fu movies of all time, uh, Enter the Dragon, uh, you had Jim Kelly in there represented with martial art. And he was uh, one of the pioneers, I guess, of, of martial arts a black martial artist at the time. He was very well known and uh, respected enough to be in a movie with Bruce Lee. So, I mean, that in, in and of itself kind of speaks volumes. And the fact that in the movie, he was like, there's a couple scenes in there where they, his blackness plays a role, but otherwise he's just as, as qualified and as skilled as any other fighter in the tournament. Uh, so, you kind of go through history and you see like you know that movie's from the 70s you got last dragon from the 80s wu-tang from the 90s and nowadays you got uh, all these young rappers like china mac uh jay park uh rich chigga all these dudes that are asian that are using uh trap music and hip-hop music now as a, a way for them to to make money and show appreciation to the culture all ties into black history is uh, just the principles used in uh, Asian philosophy in Eastern Asian philosophy and uh, how that kind of tied into revolutionary principles that erupted during the uh, civil rights movement with the Black Panthers and more militant groups like this um, obviously uh, communism was practiced in China and everything like that and the U.S. was heavily capitalist. A lot of uh, 
revolutionaries in on the black uh, civil rights movement uh, believed in communist principles in a, in a lot of ways the black panthers kind of adopted uh, what you would consider a communist principle um, but they believed in taking care of their community as far as starting uh, education programs as, as far as feeding people as far as taking care of uh, their communities, which is something that um, typically uh, in Asian communities, they had been uh, up to a certain point pretty uh, exclusive, as in uh, they didn't invite a lot of people in. Um, there was not a lot of, uh, of integration into Asian communities, and that's how they kept um, their identity uh, pretty much together. Um, and this is all based on uh, things that, that I've seen uh, talking about how Asians integrated into the greater uh, American culture. That experience was very different from uh, how black people uh, <laughs> became integrated into American culture. Um, it started off kind of similar, but uh, that's, that's for another podcast. But... Um, Asian people realized that they had to stick together um, and their path kind of broke off from from uh, other immigrants, other people that were somewhat uh, immigrated into this country through whatever means. Um, <laughs> most immigrants were brought here to work for the most part and Asians were no different and they contributed greatly to uh, a lot of things that we kind of uh, treasure today um, in American culture, even though they may not get a lot of credit or a lot of representation. Um, but along with that, one of the things, their philosophies uh, in general, Asian philosophies, uh, kind of translated well into the revolutionary uh, and civil rights minded actions of groups in uh, the black civil rights movement. So that's kind of how that all ties into black history uh, overall in all together fashion. Um, but through that, we got a lot of, um, great collaboration and a lot of great art that kind of still continues to this day. Uh, I think it's kind of a, kind of a cool thing. Uh, and the history to that actually goes back further, um, than a lot of people realize. Well, I'm not going to say the history of it, but I will say I'm, I'm getting ready to tell uh, an interesting story about uh, Yasuke, the uh, black samurai from uh, from Japan. So the theme of this episode is Asian and black collaboration. Uh, and one of the more interesting stories in history is the story of Yasuke, the black samurai. Uh, he was uh, born in like 1555, although um, because of his origins as a slave, um, his actual birthday and age uh, are unclear at best. Uh, but either way, uh, Jesuit missionaries brought him to Japan and Obviously, uh, there had not been a lot of African and Japanese contact at the time uh, in the early 15 or in the mid 1500s. Um, so he was 
sort of a spectacle, I guess, in uh, in Japan at the time. Um, and the way the story goes is that uh, Oda Nobunaga, the uh, one of the feudal lords in Japan, uh, actually met Yasuke, and he was impressed by his build and his height at the time. I mean, you have to imagine the guy coming from uh, Africa going into Japan. Just even now, you can see there's not a lot of similarity in the uh, in the body structure of these two groups of people. Um, so he stood out, obviously. Um, but uh, as he was, as Yasuke was with the uh, with the Jesuits, he learned Portuguese, and uh, as he was in Japan, he eventually learned Japanese, and he was able to speak with Lord uh, Nobunaga, and uh, he, Lord Nobunaga, enjoyed his stories, and uh, he was obviously he was impressed by him as well, um, and he ended up making him a samurai, and his weapon master. Um, <laughs> so obviously. This is kind of an interesting tidbit in history for a black man to come to Japan and achieve uh, the rank of samurai or the title of samurai, which was essentially an officer in the Japanese military structure. Um, so he was very prestigious at the time, uh, at least on, <laughs> on that side of, of the military conflicts. Um, and he fought alongside Lord Nobunaga and his heir, uh, Nobutada. So um, there's art from the 1590s depicting a black samurai, which I would say is probably the first instance of uh, black and Asian cultures mixing together um, in history, uh, especially in, in a collaboration of that fashion. So that's a really interesting story. Of course, there's more uh, backstory to that available on the internet i encourage everybody to, to to look up that story if you're interested there's a few uh really good youtube videos that go into more detail than than i do um but yeah that was uh this episode is really um i think it's a really fascinating thing the way that cultures can mix and even though there's not a lot of shared uh history in there uh they can mix and blend together so well that uh, even today, you can see that there's uh, a fondness for each other's culture um, on more than just a superficial level. Um, it's not just, oh, we like kanji or we like these colors and this art. Is it actual appreciation of, of, the, of the cultures um, mixed between the two? And I think that's a beautiful thing. It's one of the things that helped uh, revolutionaries stand up for civil rights um, back when that struggle was going on uh, to the degree that it was in the 60s and 70s. And uh, it's one of the things that continues to be a beautiful collaboration uh, nowadays, uh, especially in fashion, especially in art, and now even in music as well. So I hope you all enjoyed this episode. If not, um, <laughs> Well, I'm not even going to say if not. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you, if there's uh, feedback or anything like that, please hit me up on Twitter. Let me know how you liked it. And uh, I will check you guys out next time. Peace.